everybody. Welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. This episode, I chatted with Rennie Resmini of the band Starkweather. He's a vocalist and one of the founding members, and uh, I've admired these guys for many, many years. Their catalog goes all the way back to 1992, and um, though they've operated within the hardcore scene, they're very much more than just a hardcore band, incorporating um, elements of uh, noise rock, uh, metal, punk, hardcore, just sort of providing you a interesting amalgamation of different musical styles. Before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who subscribed to Patreon. If you want to support this podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can help make a difference. You can get there from the Everything Went Black Media website, and you'll see a pop-up that says support the podcast, and you can go there and make a pledge. If you don't want to do that, another way you can help is by liking the podcast and sharing it with your friends. So if you dig this, uh, give us a share on Facebook or other social media. Before we get started, I want to give the rundown of the affiliate sponsors. I'd like to thank Onnit. If you're interested in healthy living, check out the portals on the website. Once again, coffee lovers, savagegoldcoffee.com. What have you guys been up to? You go uh, out soon, right? Yeah, we're just we're doing this thing with um, that band Bloodbath. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's just like four shows, and then we're doing like a bunch of dates on our own, and then uh, probably going to be doing some stuff over the summer and the fall, and right now uh, working on some new material. I got like two and a half songs written at this point. That's awesome. Yeah, so. You guys are productive, man. Like that's like the exact opposite of us. It's like it takes us forever to get shit done. It's insane. Yeah, you know. But then again, you guys write like your music is a little bit more on the progressive side, I think, than stuff that. I mean, for me, it's like I just get one riff and I just kind of go with it. You know, I mean, there's like a whole other layer of, of stuff that Starkweather does. And I, you know, you yeah, guys but are, even like coming up with riffs and stuff you know like because like you said if you're using one riff it's got to be like you know quality you know what i mean it can't be like some stock riff that you're doing yeah it's but the thing be- is dude it's like i can play you <laughs> i could play you the songs and the riffs that didn't make the cut you know and i right. got way more of those <laughs> than the yeah ones yeah that, you know yeah we used to do the same especially when the line it was like me and todd basically writing everything it was like Pablo just give me tapes of like freaking like riffs and I'd just like go through them all and just piece this stuff together like that. So like it was weird. Like he could play guitar like a, a madman, but yeah. he had problems just putting riffs together. I'm like, dude, what's up with this? I can't play an instrument. Like you'd think all these years being around these guys, I I'd pick it up by now. And I'm I don't know, it was just my fault for not do, for not doing it. Did you uh, ever get involved in like arranging the songs though? I mean, did, yeah, you know? yeah, okay, yeah. I'm like, I'm still doing that with you know with this, but it's not like like I said, like it, now with uh Winters being back in a band, like Jim's process is different than how Todd and I are. Jim's more like a jam oriented, uh, like a musician. Yeah, then whereas me and right. yeah, whereas me and Todd were like real like we'll write we'll arrange the whole skeleton and stuff like that and and do what we got to do and it morphs from there but jim's like like you see how he is he's like he's a taskmaster in his own uh in his own way but he's he's definitely different uh in his way he composes stuff well actually that that's pretty much um that new split you guys have with concealment i mean that's more yeah. apparent on that man that's just like it's well that's me and todd that's that's the last thing with me and todd we have one more song that me and todd and harry and vince did yeah yeah jim's not jim was on proatone with us but most of the songs were already written like if okay. you could go back and see video in like 94 we're playing a lot of those songs that's like uh, you know it's yeah it's just weird like the stuff like you'll see like the recent the past five years of us live that's like Jim, you know, and even okay. some of that is still fucking has some of Todd's signature because it was like skeletons that we were working on. But Jim just like alters it. That's like his playing. He's not as riffy as Todd. He's more like, I don't know. Like, I would say that like Todd's like a concrete kind of writer. Jim's more fluid, you know, if, if, you, if you thought like in like terms of that, you know. Yeah, because the last time I saw you guys was um, was in Brooklyn 
at that show, a cattle press and uh, yes, his associate. And it was a, yes. like the last, you know, I got to be honest with you, that, that venue that, that you guys play that, that's really the second time I've ever back, been to that place. It was right. You know, grand, whatever it's called, but I bet yeah. that was closing down. So they had a series of shows. And when I found out the lineup for that show, I was like, I got to be there for that. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a fun time. But is that still the same lineup? Is it like, good yes. Actors? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that stuff that you heard there, that's like yeah, the newer lineup. Now the the but, split that just came out or is coming out is that is it out yet? The thing with concealment? Yeah, it just came out Friday officially. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now that's older material or? Yeah, we sat on that for like. Jesus, yeah, we sat on it probably like almost eight years. Damn, it's been right. sitting like, dude. I we were going through so much with the mastering, like nobody could nail it. No, and it was like, what the hell? And like, that's also like a thing with a lot from dialect at the time. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, So like, you know, like he'll bring the stuff to like Alan and, but he has to attend it because Alan sometimes still doesn't get like his whole process of like the way he records stuff. Cause he's like, you know, very low end. And uh, sometimes it just doesn't translate. Like we're like some people were getting the low end part, but they weren't getting any of the melodic stuff. It was just like under a wash and it just, became soft and then uh what happened was like finally like uh when concealment uh they were you know i was hearing all their stuff even pre-mastered mastered and stuff and they were like what do you think about this i'm like dude i want your uh your mastering guy i was like i think he gets it you know what i mean so i never heard like concealment before are they, are they from they're from overseas right yeah they're from portugal they're like they're usually their songs are short compact but technical and it's kind of like if you if you had like prong meets like voivod but there's a king crimson kind of edge to it i mean it's like they're so technically like sounded it's ridiculous like their bass players are using like an eight string bass and stuff like that they're, they're just like they're just wizards like and uh the guitarist and vocalist he's also in wells valley and for a little bit of time he was in Vie salis i think that's on like uh third eye rex i think that record came out on them cd like he's yeah he's all over the place and the the drummer of all things he's like a session musician besides like concealment's his main band but he also does session work right and i think for a few years he's been doing like portugal's version of the voice he's like the the drummer for the voice <laughs> over in portugal it's crazy like if you would see like he's like he'll go on tours you know session work with like uh like pop bands from over there He's like, I think he might even be fully sponsored by like Sabian or something too. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, drummers yeah. can do that, man. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's like, if you're a good drummer, you can you can make a living playing drums by just yeah. doing exactly that. You know. Yeah, you can yeah he's a beast, man. But that turned me like, to it, man. Like I like I said, I never heard concealment before the the split, and um, yeah, I'm like gonna get deeper into their back catalog i think you know or whatever whatever they have out you know I mean, yeah they've been around i think like since 99 or early 2000s um like two full lengths and like some demo stuff before that and now this this thing and then, but like i said this song track for them is a lot different than the other two albums like it's like this is the first time they've like like some long form song usually stuff's like way more compact i don't think they did anything over like six minutes prior to this i gotta check that out then definitely yeah speaking of splits the one the i remember this is the record that actually made me get really into you guys when it came out back in the 90s was the split with season to risk yeah and i got because i had just it, that was like what like like 97 i think i, I bought yeah 96 yeah, yeah so not yeah so it was a while back it was like i had just started to um like i saw season to risk play yeah because that band was on tour like constantly constantly yeah they were like it's so weird like that they never really broke but they were like they were you know playing with friggin neurosis at times and then they'd do like all these other weird shows Uh, yeah you'd see them all the time there was like um i saw them at the middle east upstairs it was like when i was living in boston and um, Mm -hmm. and it was their own show and they were headlining and it was like this weird sort of scenario. There was like this year period where bands like that, like six or 700 people would come out and see them. And then yeah. the next year, no one cared about them anymore. Yeah. And I caught Season of Risk kind of like in that, in that era. And then you got, then I found the record, the split that you guys had. And then I was, yeah. like, it was kind of like 
changed the way I saw the band a little bit because, you know, I, I always was familiar, you know, with Crossbearer and all that stuff. I was familiar with the earlier material. And then I started thinking more about you guys as less of a hardcore band. Right. More about a band that operates within the hardcore world, but's doing some, some other shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what we always like joke. Like even when Crossbear came out, we're like, yeah, it's tribal metal. We look like a bunch of like punk rock hardcore kids, but we play metal. You know what I mean? It's like whatever. We have like a total like metal sound, but we're like a hardcore uh, aesthetic. So I mean, when when you first hear bands, you know, you kind of can tell what they're into, and it's like you know, yeah, especially in that era, there was a yeah lot, a lot of kind of like more creative stuff going on. I feel like in the mid nineties, yeah, um, in the hardcore scene. So. Like, you know, what kind of stuff were you listening to? You know, obviously there's, I mean, I, I listen to it to myself. I can hear all kinds of shit in there. So, I mean, what, what yeah, kind of like, things really touched you guys when it came to music? Well, it was weird. Like, me and Todd met, like, in 87. Like, and we were at, like, our college entrance board. And uh, so, like, he was, like, wearing a Descendant shirt. And I brought up, and I was like, dude, were you at Uniform Choice last night? And he was like, yeah, it was horrible. I'm like, yeah, I fell asleep. You know what I mean? We were like talking. So, like, we were always like, and then we would just start talking. I was doing like cut and paste fanzines then. So, I was like already, like, I started doing that, I guess, like 85. So, I was already into like a lot of weird stuff by then. You know what I mean? So it was like, for me, it was Void, uh, Amoebics, Articles of Faith, Decroitson. And then stuff like uh, Voivod and Celtic Frost. That was like always my favorite shit. Uh, the, the early Sheer Terror stuff, you know, all the Blake stuff with yeah. Sheer Terror. You know, that was like, you know, that was like my favorite stuff back then. And uh, and Todd was like, he was like a New York transplant, but he had lived in Colorado and he helped that band Dead Silence out a lot. Okay. He helped get their records released. So he had like, a weird like into like weird stuff too and we like both it was funny because like like i said he's working with dead silence and they were on that comp that there's a method to our madness mm -hmm, right and uh that fucking comp had like born without a face and that was like both of us were like we loved born without a face so it was like just funny you know? like so it was just like kind of like one of those things ah you know you guys are like meant to be in a band together if anybody was <laughs> you know what i mean it was like it's funny it's like yeah we had that you know, we were always into that more metallic uh, sound, like, you know, like Animosity, COC, uh, yeah, you know, like that kind of style to be on Possession Records. One uh, of the things that really, like, kind of put you guys aside, you know, set you guys apart, though, was I think some of the lyrics and the vocal deliveries and, and that sort of stuff. And, like, yeah, you, know, you guys weren't singing about the scene or, like, straight right. edge or whatever. And, I mean, for yeah. me, because... You know, I've always been more attracted to like, kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, like more, you know, more like esoteric lyrics. Like when you listen to right. Neurosis, you know, there's yeah. it's not about like anything literal. There's like a, yeah. a real impressionistic thing going on. So, you know, as far as like books and, and the influences that you might have had on your lyric writing, like what kind of stuff were you into around that time? Uh, there was a like I had a pretty good like teachers in in high school and college so I was like Flannery O'Connor uh the John Gardner's Grendel I, okay. that was like always my like my favorite book I like remember reading that like I we moved around a lot when I was younger so when I went to one school from transferred to another I, what they were teaching at this new school I had already done like a year before and my one teacher's like well don't let anybody know about this. I think you'll like this. And he handed Grendel off to me. So I like nice. at seventh grade. So I was just like, ah, man, you know, so I was always looking at like weirder stuff. Uh, what the heck else? Like in the nineties, uh, I think that there was that Mark Richards fish boy. I remember reading that and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like kind of like my lyrics, like set in a book. And I was like, this is awesome. You know? Like, so I, I liked that guy a lot. Uh, who else back then? Like the eighties was like Joe R. Lansdale. I liked a lot. Uh, Ligotti was coming out around that time oh, yeah, too. Okay. Yeah. And Ligotti was like, you know, you could see some of our titles are like, you know, a direct reference to Ligotti, yeah. even though like it has nothing to do with what he's doing. Uh, Cause he's like, you know how his stuff is very clinical. He's like a very clinical writer. Like you could see he was a textbook writer, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting the way he writes. 
it's like definitely different than how I do, but I like, I like what he's doing. Um, of course he, you know, like the Lovecraft stuff. I like that growing up. Like he's like for being like a pulp writer, he has like a very like descriptive style. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that, that's you know, his whole like, thing, man, actually yeah. all, all the Lovecraft stories. It's like very little actually goes on. It's all yeah. <laughs> atmosphere, you know, and descriptions and, you know, references. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome. Like you, you can totally like see, like you could picture everything that he's telling, especially when it comes to like locations and stuff like that. Like it's awesome. Like his writing. That's one of the reasons why I think maybe some of his films, like ha- it hasn't translated well, right. well to his film because you know even even the the ones that I like, you know, like the reanimator yeah. are are very loose interpretations of his of his stories. Yeah, because there's no action really in the story that he wrote, so the filmmaker has to. Uh, come come up with some sort of vehicle to put this whole thing in you know but yeah but you know other than the, other than the reanimator and from beyond i don't think much of his other work is translated too well into into film you know nah it's been like i think some of the, the stuff that had that it's more influenced by him works better like uh what's that dark waters that italian flick that weird that thing always had a very like lovecraftian look about it there was something recently observance that kind of totally reminded me of that too i haven't seen that actually um, it's pretty good it's like a surveillance flick okay and it's uh art exploitation put it out okay. like on on video over here and it's very like legati lovecraftish like in a uh, tone did you uh do you see the void yeah i liked it I, th- yeah. I don't think it was as great as everybody was trumping it up to be i think i went into it with expectations a little too high but it, the the practical effects are great. Like yeah. I thought that was like the most fun part about it, you know? And I, I like the Yeah. I totally like the idea. It's like, you know, definitely like Lovecraft me tell Hellraiser at parts. The, uh, did, have you seen any of the other films that those dudes made? There's, there's like, um, this group called Astron six, I think it's called, or they, they have a couple other movies. Um, one's called, uh, the editor and, they got some other oh uh father's day uh it's on amazon prime i'll have to check that out father's yeah, I day, it's like they're the thing is it's like those guys have more of like this tongue-in-cheek like dark humor thing going yeah on. so when I, the guy that made this film is part of that group even though okay. this was done sort of outside that so i kind of expected there to be like a little bit of um like a tongue-in-cheek element to the to uh, the void and the void for the most part i thought was played pretty straight you know, but yeah. there's, there's definitely some heavy handed references that were like, kind of like maybe if you, if you know the references, like I'm sure you do, it's a little bit kind of humorous, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like the stuff from the beyond, yeah. there's like oh, definitely yeah. like beyond, beyond references. references, you know, even uh, like the way the, the hospital looked like Halloween too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that the one continuity thing in that movie that tripped me out was, um, do you remember the part of the film where, uh, there's like the police car and it's the guy parked like literally right outside the building. And then it's later, like a solemn precinct 13. Yeah, element exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> then later on, it's like a hundred yards away. It's like, this big, yeah. big, like trek to get out there. So yeah. I don't know, little things like that, that a lot of people like, I think that the movie was made by these guys who just love the genre and just wanted to yeah. do something fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. But as far going back to that, uh, the split with season of risk. Did, yes. how, did that, how did that actually come together? Like, because you know they uh, were th- definitely in a different scene than you guys. Yeah, yeah, we, we had known them from going to see them. You know, they they play Philly like all the time, mm-hmm. so we knew them. And uh, the guy that, that ran the label, Mike, uh, he knew them real well, and he also like did stuff with uh, at the drive-in, so he was pretty well connected. And like, we had the song, and uh, Mike contacted them it was like hey do you want to do something with these guys i know you guys are friends and all and he then uh steve was like sure we'll do it you know so that's how that really came about it was you know we knew each other for a while and that happened i think i think they may be doing something soon too with translation loss which is funny like i didn't know that until a few weeks ago like uh someone at tl had mentioned like hey uh season risk is back i'm talking to him like what like that's crazy i was like so that could be interesting see what they do 
Yeah, because they, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, they had that one record in a perfect world, which is on a major. Yeah, and it's like, it was like coalesce before coalesce. Yes, exactly. It was and crazy. nobody like knows about it. I'm like, how do you not know about this? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it was on a major label, and that yeah, the, the band toured. I remember in that, <laughs> they were out with like uh like Monster Magnet. And yeah, see, I remember there was like they were doing these massive tours. And it's almost like they were invisible when they were going on tour. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, I was like, it was so funny that came, and that was a weird period of time too, because like, I like A and M was signing everything. Also, they had like the Paul record. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Paul was great. Friggin', I guess Damn the Machine was also A and M, and Swerve Driver. So you had like all this weird stuff coming out at the same time on these majors. Yeah, bizarre. It is strange, and it's all you know. It's all that's the '90s, though. You know, it's, yeah, Nirvana that helmet like blew the door yeah. for everyone, and and maybe like those bands weren't really meant to be on late labels like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. It's so crazy. <laughs> but apparent, but afterwards, there was a whole bunch of records that came out on a bunch of different labels, and uh, and I remember like I think it was '98 or '99, maybe. I saw Buzz Oven and Season the Risk was on tour with them, and it was like a totally different band. It was just like the singer, I think, was playing guitar. And yes, there was all these. Just the guy from Glaze Baby, I think, was in it too. That's that's another great band. Yeah, it was like that. Boston had like some crazy, like heavy bands at oh, the time. Like, those guys, Slug Hog, Lagratona. Lagratona were the best. Even like what you guys were doing, like coming out with the Anodyne stuff was awesome. Me and Thank Paul Romano, like, you. used to. Love that stuff. I remember like or the one what was the one on uh Lifetime of Gray Skies when that came out. Me and Paul were like, that's the best title ever. I wish it were <laughs> Lifetime of Gray Skies. <laughs> we <were> like that. <laughs> yeah, that was our last album, man. That was that was definitely that's my favorite one. And I, I'm kind of glad like we went out like on that note because well, yeah, that was a great record, man. Yeah, but you know, it's like you kind of like a year later the band was done and it was like, right pretty much like it wasn't like this anim animosity thing. It was just, you know, everyone was kind of moving in different directions. And, you know, it's like if we tried to write material, the material was like not that good and no one liked it. And then I was trying to write songs that sounded like, you know, like what we should sound like. And I was like, fuck that. And yeah, you know, we had this European tour booked and um, we were just like, dudes, like, so our friendships can remain intact. Let's cancel the tour and break the band up, basically. And I was right. Like, yeah. So you're not. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. So without any any like fanfare or anything, we just disbanded, and that was it. And then, uh, and I'm I'm kind of glad because I, I feel I feel pretty solid about all the stuff we did. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That, yeah. Thanks for remembering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. That's just the fault. Yeah. That was the best title. I mean, Paul, I remember when it came out, where we were like, man best title <laughs> but uh but yeah that's um did you guys ever do any touring with season of risk nah nah we never even got to play a show together that's the thing that sucked like it was like you gotta be kidding me you know like all the times these guys are through we had like because all of a sudden like as soon as we were done college we also had like real jobs and shit so like you know somebody's asking to play a wednesday yeah. in philly and it's like no i'm not taking off work to go do this to like 30 people you know what i mean i'm not doing it like well, i'm not wasting my time yeah it's, it's interesting it's like moving furniture you know what i mean i was like yeah. what the fuck yeah because i think um after aside from that one night that i saw season of risk play i think all yeah. the other times i've seen him play was in front of about 30 people yeah that's what i never know it's like the, i think the most crowd we ever saw them is like when they're doing the uh neurosis shows every other time it was just like you know 30 40 people it's Dude. like how's this not gaining like traction i don't get it like these guys are constantly in your face they write great shit and it just never caught on around here i don't get it and you're like one of the only people that remembers them too besides from it, like maybe some dudes out in kansas city or minneapolis or something yeah it's bizarre it's the, really um, bizarre have you do you remember a band called the god machine Oh, I love the God Machine. Ah, yeah. They were the greatest. There was another band. Like, we'd go see them. It was like, the first time I saw them, it was like in a snowstorm. And I was like, I'm going to see these guys no matter what. I don't care. I'm making it, you know? Like, yeah, and we saw them a couple times. They were fucking awesome. So good. Way ahead of their time, man. 
you know, yeah. Always. Like they, yeah. could be if, if you listen to that album, was it uh, Views from the Second Story? And it was like, yeah, maybe re-recorded differently. If it was recorded differently and mastered differently, that record could come out today and be awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, people would love it. Yeah, That's, those guys. It's a shame that bass player died. You know, they, they could have like, who knows what the the sky was a limit with them. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I actually met the drummer in that band when uh, another band that I played in was touring in Europe and um, we were supporting uh, Fetus over there. And, oh, no shit. And uh, the, one of the guys that played in Fetus's band was friends with those guys. And okay. when we played in London, um, I was talking, it was, uh, that was right around the time that I was like really, I was in the God machine. Like I would listen to it and I would, you know, be talking about how much I liked them. And the guy was like, Oh, by the way, in London, so-and-so is going to be at the show. And I met the guy and, that's fucking cool. Yeah, it's crazy, I didn't, right? Yeah, I didn't like the stuff that Robin's been doing with it, you know, since too much. It's like a little too lightweight, like, but man, those two God Machine albums are just stellar. The funny thing about that is, like, I remember, um, do you remember when, like, Thrasher used to have um, cassettes in, like, you would buy a Thrasher and there'd be, like, a shrink wrap and then there'd be, sometimes there'd be, like, a, a three-song cassette that they'd send with the uh, magazine. Yeah. So I got one that had uh, Quicksand, Wool, and the God Machine on it. And that's how I found out about the band. And it was like, out of the three bands on there, the only one that I was really into that I was that grabbed me was was the God Machine track. God Machine. And yeah. literally like two weeks later, they were playing. And I'm like, fuck, I'm definitely going to go to this thing, man. And that's one of those cases where it was just that weird slice of time when, when people seemed to like good shit. And yeah. <laughs> I went to that show and there was like the it was at the Middle East downstairs and that holds like 600 people and right. the place was packed and it was God Machine headlining. Wow. Yeah, like, every time we played here nothing like it. Yeah, man. And then it's funny like I was saying like suddenly like it's like the most one of the most bizarre like happenings phenomenon is how one year something could be so inside of everyone's head and then the following year it's gone. And then I mean, I only saw them that one time, and but then literally a year later, you would ask, you would say that, oh, I like this band, the God Machine, and people would know who who the fuck is that, you know? Yeah. What happened to all those other people out at the show is what I wonder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it was like anybody who was there, I think, was just band members. You know what I mean? Like seriously, there's just like some bands that are just like musicians' bands, and that's you know, it doesn't translate after that. It's it's crazy. It's really weird. I definitely count them as an influence, though, man, as far as, like, you know, the atmosphere. You know, people ask me about that. You know, well, yeah, what do you like? Like, what kind of stuff informs the music you play? I always talk about them, for sure. Yeah, they're awesome. They, they were, like, a more melodic swans. Because like, that drummer hit, like, like Ted Parsons. Like, he was, like, a just absolute beast. And the bass that was playing was so thick. You know, I was, like, it was nuts. So the stuff with uh, with Win that you've been writing with Winters is that ever going to see the light of day? Like, are you guys have any plans to record that stuff? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to demo it like uh, in a few months. Like our drummer, he's uh, has a torn rotator cuff, oh, man. so we just got to wait for him to heal up. But yeah, we're we're definitely going to do that soon. Is, just uh, get it demoed. And, is Drew, uh, then... Drew still playing with you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's cool. the one with the, the injury, and um, you know, and then we'll. You know, once we hear hear it, you know, demoed, and we'll figure out, you know, what needs to get fine-tuned and then go from there. So you were mentioning that the songwriting process is pretty slow and, you know, arduous. It's like, yeah. is that is that demoing step? Is that a big part of the process that you guys work with? Nah, I think well, the songs are there. We we're just going to go in and, uh, and then, you know, just record them. And like, as far as I'm concerned, this, there's six that are done. You know what I mean? They just want to hear everything and then add layers to see what it sounds like. You know, it's like more of a, it's more like a, a safety blanket thing with those guys than anything. I don't get it. I'm just like, dude, the songs are there. You've been playing them for fucking years. They're good to go. You know what I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's just some funny thing like that with that. I know, I know with the stuff I do, it's like, I have, there's like a handful of songs that change almost like 50% from when I demoed it to when it actually got on the album. Yeah. So that may happen. Like, yeah. like I said, winters may be like, yeah, yo, I, I want to change this like big time. You know, that's how he gets sometimes. Like he's like, he's funny like that. So 
We'll see. Yeah, Winter's I'm pretty been much in tons, dude. Like that guy's like so many. The list of bands that he's played in is like insane. Oh yeah, it's just like the fact that like you can bring up that Believer record that he's on, yeah. and like he won't like talk about, but then like, you bring something up like, oh, this riff there. Yeah, I wrote that. You know, like that deadpan voice that he has. Yeah, I wrote that part. You know, they're just like, what the fuck? You know, like, so fucking strange. And like, hey, it's it's funny. Like, what, you know, that individual stuff. If you got to hear any of that, I haven't um, heard that actually. That was like right, but like he was probably doing that while he was doing turmoil. It's kind of like turmoil and burn. You know, like like a mix of that. But there's not much of it recorded like i think there's like one actual song like that you can find like on a compilation you know isn't that but, the worst yeah. where there's like bands that are great bands that just never recorded their stuff to you know have documents yeah that was like collapse you know like from new york yep like like what the hell you got like just demo recordings like nothing that more than that and live stuff it's like what the fuck this is it there is a band from uh up in like Plattsburgh, New York, like way up by the Canadian border. They were called the Dying Game Theory. And uh, they were like late 90s, uh, kind of doing what ISIS was doing, but like in a more aggressive way. Oh, no shit. Yeah, like it was like, you know how like there's that kind of Canadian hardcore like sound, bands like Ire and, you know. Stuff yeah, like yeah. So like they were kind of on that like a real Canadian, like European, like vibe with like electronics. And they had like a, like a front man, like singer who would. No you know, shit. Yeah. yeah I don't think like, I nuts remember that at all. But yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like my, like Anodyne played with them like maybe 10 times, like over the years. And, no uh, shit. Pretty much every time we played in upstate New York, they were on the bill. And, um, huh. and we, you know, we played like basements and stuff and they were, they were like, I was watching him play in a basement show one time, and I was like, this is, like, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, man. Like, this is, like, I feel like I should be watching these guys play, like, in front of, like, a thousand people because they were just, they hit it, like, so hard. And what they were doing was, like, yeah. I hadn't really heard anything like that outside of, like, you know, I had this neurosis thing going on, but it was also super aggressive. It had this crust element, and it was, you know, you can hear, like, his hero's gone, and other things you know like this whole yeah a lot of people were using electronics back then but these guys used it in like a, a way that was like very unique i thought and they don't have anything out they have like um a demo that was literally <laughs> the only thing they had out uh, yeah that's the worst you're just like what the hell as far as your writing goes do you ever think about do you have you know think about publishing anything like any i'm sure that nah i never like i figured this this you know, the what comes with the record's good enough. I've never, like, ever thought about ever writing anything outside of that. I don't know. It's just not my thing. I, it's huh. like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just never. And now, like, when it comes to time, I don't have the time to even, like, devote to anything like that. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, you, you have kids and work between that. It's just, like, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah just like trying to juggle like multiple schedules. It's like bad enough. I, I only like I'd ideally I would like to practice three days a week. I'm lucky if I get one day a week. You know what I mean? It's just like that's just how it is. Yeah, I would love to do three days, but unfortunately, like everyone lives in a different city right now, so it's like Ugh, yeah, we do, we do a lot. Of, I mean, we you know practice. I practice alone by myself, but then we only get together in these yeah concentrated you know weekends and hours out and and that's it yeah usually like around a tour or something like that yeah that's that can get tough i guess like but i mean you got good enough musicians like anything's like possible you know yeah it takes a special kind of guy to do it that way because uh, yeah you got to rely on them to to keep their 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 thing going you know they have yeah keep their chops up yep you know the only thing for me is like if i don't sing um right early i the first the first practice back doing vocals is always a little rough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a muscle thing. It's like, you know, you don't use it. It's, it atrophies. Now, speaking of vocals, um, you know, did, uh, I, I like for you as a singer, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you're not the typical hardcore singer. So how, what kind nah. of stuff, like what kind of stuff like you get into? Well, that was like, 
it was like uh that's again the whole metal thing because i always liked uh king diamond merciful fate and uh you know venom and shit like that and then uh even Queensryche. i always liked jeff, jeff tate's Tate, voice yeah. yeah i always liked his voice and i liked uh sanctuary when i was like growing up so even the nevermore stuff i liked as you know they were the same time as us but you know sanctuaries predates them i liked him uh diamante galas obviously oh, yeah. you know her freaking uh even like some of the bjork stuff i liked like just because it's like vocal gymnastics with her you know what i mean and like lisa gerard same way it's like she's more like she ain't she's not she has nothing to say but it's it works you know what i mean it's just like <laughs> some made-up language and it's fucking awesome you know she's conveying some kind of emotion like doing what she does you ever get into um cigar ross yeah i i don't know it's like that's like i jim saw him like i think a year ago it was like it was unreal he was like just the way they did the perf- stage performance but like i don't know i can't get into it i'd rather just listen to like some like a normal ambient thing than than it i like their videos because yeah, they were very cinematic you know like a real had a great like flair for that but musically i, I don't know it's not nothing i would I can get into for some reason. It just never clicked with me. I was like that for uh, a number of years because you know people were always trying to push that band on me, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, got Cigarros." I, I, you know, I had I bought one of their records. I was like, you know, not really my thing. But then I, I actually got an assignment to go and do a show report on one of the shows yeah. we played in New York. So I went, and I was thinking, and and it actually really it blew my mind to be honest with you how, how yeah that's what jim was saying he was like it was fucking incredible yeah and uh i mean the whole the whole thing from the stage sets to you know they had some crazy led show going on LED yeah show and the music and it sounded the music the production of um just everything sounded perfect and the guy's voice that was the main thing is that voice yeah. was like yeah it's creepy yeah real creepy and um it always blows me blows my mind because um like normal people like that band. You know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah. Uh, like that sounds amazing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I heard Paul Romano saying something about the same thing. He was just like, Yeah, we're we're at at this at this show and like they finish a song and like this jock looking meathead is like screaming, Yeah like yeah, and everybody's like, you know, just clapping quiet like golf claps and it's, you know, this dude looks like he's like straight out of like, you know, some university, like frat and like he's like just going nuts. So yeah, funny. I wonder how these people get exposed to this band, though. You know, I mean, it happens. Yeah. There's every now and then you go to a, you go to some bigger show and you think it's going to be like one type of crowd and then it's another crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like real normal generic dudes are at the at the show. It's fucking strange too, because like it's not like it used to be like even like '90s before like MTV turned into like reality like bad reality TV shows and stuff. Like, you used to get, like, exposed to, like, new stuff then. Like, especially that college-oriented stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's what I would think Sigur Ross would be. You know what I mean? Like, if, if MTV were still doing that kind of shit. I, I figured they would, you know, have heavy rotation on that, on one of those programs. It's I guess weird. it's all YouTube. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah. It's so strange. You, you find shit sometimes that you don't, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you yeah. look up, like, a video. And then, like an hour later, you're watching something you never heard. Of. Yeah, that's somehow related to that last thing you watched. Yeah, it's it's weird that whole rabbit hole, you know, like on YouTube. That's cool, but I, I also miss like the kind of stuff that's curated by people. You know, like yeah, you know, even though like you watch MTV and it was back in the day and it was like, you know, Ricky Rackman or or it was the um, the 120 Minutes show. Yeah, which we, you would see Fear of God on 120 Minutes and not Headbangers Ball. I was totally. like, what? <laughs> so weird. And But, you know, there was like this impression that, you know, they were they were coming up with these playlists themselves, even though it probably was like a group of producers like putting the stuff together. But, you know, you, you felt like somebody was at least putting some thought into what you what they were showing you. You know, do you remember uh, speaking of producers for MTV? Do you remember that they had that sports show? They had like MTV Sports. Yeah, well, they, go- they, one of the dudes that was a producer, like a line producer on that, was the bass player in Social uh, Social Disorder out of Brooklyn. Oh no way, really? Huh. Yes. So some of the music in that he would edit in, like stuff at the time, like would be like off of different compilations, like that 
that East Coast Assault. Oh, yeah, a bunch of the bands, cool, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of bands off of that wound up on like on that. Like, so there's like some weird stuff behind the scenes then. Because I remember like like one of our songs, like a part of a song, like a melodic part came up in that. And I'm like, who the fuck did that? And we found out Saul from Friggin' Social Disorder was like was doing the music for this for this show. Yeah, the East Coast Assault Comp was really cool. That was uh, like Marauder was on that, and Yeah, Holy Living Witness was on that one. Uh, yeah, Overcast maybe. Yeah, Converge, Overcast. Yep. You, wait, was Starkweather on that too? Yeah, we were, oh, on, it. were on it. Yeah, yeah. You just de- definitely got um, like Starkweather is definitely a band that like in New York people still talk about. I mean, I right? Say, you guys played ABC No Rio a number of years ago, and I remember that was like a thing. Like a, a lot of my like older the older dudes i knew were like really excited about going to the show and you know because you guys you guys also play at cb's quite a bit yeah did you ever play at lamore's nah the only time I've, yeah. i was at lamore's was the c shows you know what i mean i'd go yeah, up yeah. and see some shit like uh i remember going up to see like confusion on like on a, like a battle of the band so we were like right. went up and saw them there i've seen carnivore there oh, you know yeah. i've seen tons of shit there but yeah we never got to play that there's um, like, there's a, a sort of like this mystery that's um I'm trying to find the get to the bottom of this mystery right now. I saw that the Hellfest uh flyer for this year has a band on there called Carnivore AD. Yeah. What's that all I, about? I think that's Mark from <laughs> Carnivore with Joe from the Communion playing drums. Oh no! Oh okay. Yeah, I know he did like some carnivore, like these carnivore reunion shows, and it's who's playing bass and singing is uh, fuck, what the, is Baron from uh the original Sheer Terror lineup, and what the hell was he was on the Century Media band? I can't remember the fucking name of that band right now. Uh, what the heck? Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I think it's Baron playing bass and singing and uh, you can find video of it okay uh, they've have played some shows before and it sounds as, as authentic as it's going to get this baron his voice is a lot like pete's you know like his bass tone is exact it's so, yeah that was joe's, uh... joe's probably a better drummer than carnivore ever had <laughs> so it's like it's pretty heavy it was good that was definitely like the, a misunderstood band, I think, as time. You know what I mean? Carnival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was definitely. <laughs> you know what blew my mind, too, speaking of the, the drummer from the original drummer, Carnivore, like, like, you know, Cause for Alarm, the agnostic yeah. record was, that was actually the first AF record I heard, like, back okay. in the yeah. 80s. Yeah, it's like you 86 know, or yeah, something yeah. like that when it came out. Yeah, As, as you know, it's like, it was, it's not like today where you know you go onto iTunes and you look chrono- chronologically how the albums come out but back then, yeah. when we were kids you kind of got things in dribs and drabs like sort of yeah. like one thing would roll in and you wouldn't know where this record fit in the catalog of a band and you'd, right. you'd find out that that wasn't the the right record to listen to I guess or whatever <laughs> yeah no victim in pain not that cause yeah. for alarm <laughs> I, I remember like like literally in like one afternoon I heard victim in pain and uh, no mercy the uh or you know like uh that that uh that motorhead thing you know what i mean yes yes you know we were all like my my buddy ken was like turning me on to the music and he played me that the um the af record and to this day that's still my favorite agnostic front album is is uh cause for alarm you know i like all the other shit but then there was that big write-up that they had in decibel a couple of years ago about how like roger like wasn't even going to sing on the album or something like that. And uh, oh, I never read that. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I'll have to got, check that out. You got to go back into the into the uh, archive. Yeah, and you got to dig that up. And um, that's hysterical. Yeah, like Pete Steele wrote most of the record. And yeah, oh, I remember that. I remember that controversy about it, you know because of the public assistance lyrics. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. always like gained like the. You know, and that was the other thing with Maximum Rock and Roll, always considered AF, like a bunch of jerks from New York, a bunch of like, and then that came out, that just solidified it for them, like, you know, like, these guys are really assholes. <laughs> like, what? You know, like, yeah, like, that they're the most, always, that's sort of they're cool. like one of the most multicultural bands ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like called Nazis and stuff. Yeah, like, in the 80s, they're being called that. Like, no, dude, you're so wrong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's, there's, well, the fact, you know, it's really funny. It's like, 
talking to some of those guys over the years about how like a lot of Nazi skin bands would like Agnostic Front. Right. You know I mean? They don't get it. It's like it's like it's like how power electronics and some of those bands, you know, some of them are flat out racist, but some yeah. of them, you know, like genocide organ, they're like, you know, using it against you and you don't even realize this, like you're not catching this. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's real weird. Yeah, I, I um, the last episode of this podcast was uh, a solo episode where I just I, I have like another series of things I do where I just kind of go off on like certain topics, like current events type stuff. And uh, it was the, the whole episode was uh, devoted to Antifa, you know, and yeah. how, how that's sort of going too far with some of these things, I think. And, um, you know, I don't want to turn this into a discussion about that, but yeah, yeah. But that sentiment has always been there, I feel like, even back, you know, with the, the, the West Coast kind of like more political, yeah, uh, you know, PC type crowd. You know, even back in the 80s, it was it was definitely part of like, the scene but also yeah oh yeah but back then you you also had a little bit of like leeway to express yourself even though some of these things were just more for like like shock value or whatever you know? yeah you know there's like videos of sid vicious wearing like a swastika t-shirt and things like that. right but you know the guy's not a nazi you know yeah he's like the furthest thing from it yeah but uh but yeah it's 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 funny like that af record is definitely like still to this day my favorite record they ever done it was, I, and i always like that whole period of time too with uh sean taggart's artwork that, oh, that yeah. graffiti cartoon style i always yeah. freaking loved his artwork did you um you ever get into like that uh all that whole research uh magazine like those those um because i feel like <laughs> Dude, were... I, I liked that stuff when it was coming out like in the 80s i haven't seen anything since you know i remember like the last thing i remember was like the the like the industrial one and the uh, modern primitives book that's like probably the only two i can really remember yeah and I'm, i love the industrial one because it had all the srl shit in it oh dude do you, i wonder what ever happened to, to mark pauline man that guy yeah whatever he blow himself <laughs> up in an accident or something it's like... a madman that guy was so like nuts i loved it yeah i wonder what ever happened to him though if he's, I yeah, he's still doing this shit it probably, but it's uh, for some reason, it's just, you know, for some reason, it never, you know, gets any publicity anymore. Back then, you'd see it. Now, Mike Wahlberg, our, um, you know, our, our mutual friend, mentioned, yeah. mentioned that you, you're way into like extreme films and, and horror and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's, what's like the most, what's, what's on your, your watch list these days? I, like I said, I don't have as much time anymore. Like the to, to see stuff. Like what I want to see right now is uh the endless and uh you were never really there. Oh, I want to okay. I want to see that. Yeah, uh, the endless is the, from the directors that did Resolution and okay. Spring. Oh wait, I just read about the endless. Yeah, yeah I just yeah read, that you, looks great. Yeah, do you read uh Room Org magazine? I haven't in a while. But I haven't. Yeah, like there's no like magazine shops anymore. Like. Nah, dude, you know, you know only, it's like you. The only way I get it is I have to subscribe. You know. Yeah, it's like it, it just sucks. Like you know, that's the one thing with everything being like digital now. Like you don't have that hands-on like experience. It's like everything is like a click away. And I like, and there's so much information out there. I just forget. Oh yeah, Rue Morgue's there. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, there's um my buddy. Actually, you know this guy, Mike Scandato. He played in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's confusion. Uh, yeah. Yep. And uh, he, he, him and his brother ran a comic book shop in uh, yes. on Seventh Avenue over in, in Brooklyn, Park Slope. And uh, you know, I used to, I used to go there every Wednesday and pick up comics and all that sort of stuff. And they had, they always had the, uh, the, the, you know, that was on my list of stuff to get was that Rue Morgue magazine. And yeah, uh, that's one of the only ones that seemed to survive. I, I mean, I heard Fangoria is coming back. Yeah, I read that too. That's yeah. crazy. But that and like maybe Horror Hound is like the only other like horror mag that's out there yeah you know but but yeah actually anyway what i was the reason i mentioned that is uh the endless was uh i read about it in room morgue just like last, yeah two nights ago or whatever so yeah that sounds like a really cool uh did you see we the, actually, the resolution did you see that one i love it i love those two movies they did like yeah, resolution and uh spring i like a lot like springs like total like like a lovecraft date movie <laughs> it's like funny it's like it's like it's. I like that a lot. 
and resolution had that one scene in the middle in the the cat not the cabin it's like a trailer where the guy's like playing with the mirror that's the the best it's amazing yeah i'm just finding out about these guys like um you know it sounds like it's right up my alley yeah you'll yeah you'll definitely i saw you definitely like it two french movies recently one called raw yeah i watched that yep and uh, another one called ravenous which one i i think not to be confused Rat- with the the, the, the dark comedy ravenous. I love that one. That the, 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 the introduction to that movie is like total Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, guy, <laughs> one of the early Guy Pierce's films. Yeah, um, that movie's great, and I've heard people slam that movie too. I don't. Yeah, I think they just don't get it. It's yeah. like that whole. Yeah, I think you know, like you you nailed it. It's a it's a comedy. It's a deliberate comedy. That's a sort of like how the Get Out is. Like, I don't know, like, people are up, upset, like, it being nominated for a com, like, as a comedy. I'm like, what don't you see? It's totally hysterical. It's like, it's, it's a complete satire, that, yeah. that movie. Well, it's the great. Is, they're, they're, the guys who wrote it are, are comedians. Yeah, I'm like, how do you not see this? It has a sinister undertones, but, like, there's so much funny stuff in that. It's great. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. People, uh... <laughs> weird it's they like just, weird like the obvious and you're just missing it yeah but uh there's another the french one. ravenous yeah the french the, ravenous is is uh i kind of on a whim one night i was looking for stuff to watch on on netflix and and that came up as like, okay recommended and um the fact that it was french was like hmm, okay yeah it has a yeah exactly it could Probably, be uh, a stellar yeah a lot of a lot of the like there was that period of time where there was like inside and martyrs and that all was those awesome. And that was like, but, um, so I checked it out and it's, um, it's like, uh, an infected movie. Okay. You know what I mean? But their take yeah. on the infected is like pretty unique. Like they're kind of more like semi, uh, intelligent. Okay. And there's this, um, it's not revealed, but there's like kind of this objective that they're trying to accomplish in the movie. And that's kind of the things I like about it. It's like, there's a lot of these yeah. like vague, you can see there's something going on, but the movie doesn't actually reveal to you what's going on. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I'll it's cool. It's it shot really, really well. I mean, the acting's cool. The characterization's good. And you know, it's like, there's definitely some like very creepy moments in the movie, which oh, is, I'll definitely have to check yeah, it out at this stage of the game. It's hard to do that. in uh, you know, Yeah. Especially in a zombie, like infected kind of flick. Yeah. It's like pretty much all been done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even by the French would, cause they did that thing. What was that? They, they came back. Sometimes they came back. That, oh yeah. Yep. yep. That uh, series. But uh, yeah. Martyrs though, probably goes down as one of my all-time favorite movies of that genre whatever that that's funny i i don't like martyrs no really i don't like it i just i'm like this person isn't a martyr that was my whole thing i'm like with it like thematically like i i get the idea but this person wasn't down for the cause you're just using the person to find out whether there's what's at the end you know what i mean yeah like that was my whole thing with martyrs i'm like man i just don't I'm not down with it. Like I liked, I like parts of it, but that, that whole, <laughs> it's just weird. That's, that's a weird disconnect for some reason. I know it's, you know, no, it, it, that's, that's, it, it's just odd. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's all, I mean, Hey, everyone's, it's all valid, but like, but that, like that inside ending, I loved, like I, I loved that. Oh yeah. That was great. <laughs> Even that's, though that gets kind of silly too, with the, that, the weird zombie cop at, near the end, like what? Yeah. But the rest of it, just like the one-on-one battle between those two is, is fantastic. It's like so brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always like, in a lot of these French films, there's always like a scene where, um, and they, they do this in Raw too, and it's actually a nurse. There's a scene, you remember when the, the pregnant woman in inside, she's talking to the nurse and the nurse pulls out like a cigarette. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. She's talking about like some horrible experience she had giving child, giving birth to a child. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's like a trope in a lot of French horror films <laughs> where there's like a scene where it's like usually two women and it's in some place that's like a hospital where you're not supposed to be smoking and they pull out a cigarette <laughs> and they describe something terrible that's about to happen to you. Yeah. And they do that in Raw. It was like Raw. Like, yeah. yeah. Raw was good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. Like, again, I thought that was more like funny than getting like, I remember people, oh, there are people passing out in the screenings and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't think there was anything that like, yeah, it like was stomach more, it was churning, more like a dark comedy, really. Yeah, that's how I looked at, especially with the sister. You know, yeah. the 
because one sister comes becomes involved. Yeah, I mean that's definitely. I do another podcast called Necromaniacs, which is all horror, and I think we're going to cover that one on the next. Yeah, that's next a good episode. good movie. Yeah, but um, yeah, Martyrs. The end. It's I think the power of the ending of that film is really what made me feel like, like just the the blackness of how yeah. the movie ended. Yeah, like I I, don't, I just have like, it's, like I said, it's a, a weird thing. It's just like I would have. I I would have been more down with it if it was somebody from that cult, that yeah. sect, yep. undergoing that whole process than taking abducting somebody that wasn't initiated in that other than through what they're doing to her. You know what I mean? Like she'll she's gonna see whatever. You know what I mean? Just, there's nothing, no uh, context for good, her. That's a really good point. And you know, and because like it's funny because most people really there's a lot of worship for that movie out there, and uh, no one has actually ever mentioned that. I think it like I think it's filmed well. I think the sound design on it's great. The music for it's great. I think parts of it are like stellar, but I'm just like I, I just don't feel what the like. It's as as great as everybody says. You know what I mean? That's that's a good movie. I I definitely like Inside more, but what the hell do I know? You know what I mean? They're apples oranges. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's a a remake of that, an American remake of that. Yeah, movie. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't even know why you'd bother. I'd rather see them dub something than remake it at this point. It's so bad, like all these remakes. Yeah. Like, for, just, uh... just dub the original thing. If you're that lazy, you know what I mean? You can't read subtitles. Just dub it. I, I don't need to see a remake of that. I don't like, I didn't need to see the remake of uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse, you know? Like, just, nope. you're not going to c- come close to what he does. You know, there's no way. For academic reasons, I watched the remake of Martyrs, and it was equally as it lived up to my uh, expectation of being terrible. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine it being anything other than you know. It's like what the hell? Like, and they probably sanitized it so much that it's like, what's the point of this? Yeah, they changed it around a lot, and it was it was definitely like it didn't. It almost didn't make sense the American version of right. It, you know what I mean? And they changed you know, so much of it so that people wouldn't be so, you know, bummed out by the ending, I think. Like, actually, that <laughs> I whole... I think the ending's the perfect part. The, like, the, you know what I mean? The whole movie is the ending, dude. It's like, that, <laughs> if you're not going to do it that way, then don't do it, because do that's right. the whole point of it, man. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I uh, yeah, the remake, the remake thing is definitely way out of line, I think, these days. Yeah, so that's, I don't know, it's just absurd. Just leave stuff alone. You can't do... It's you can't do like some of the stuff even like the seventies and update it because it's it's so locked in that period and with technology now it's like it's so much different you know to find a way around some of these old flicks. Yeah, actually, uh, I just been in this real kick the last few months of watching old movies from that era, like The Friends of Eddie Coyle and like Thief and all that stuff. <laughs> Those movies are great, even like the older like you know the f- film noir stuff, amazing. Yeah, just what they had to do on such a short time and no budget, like unreal. But also, just some of the, some of the subject matter in like those old seventies films, like like for example, I know that I know they're they're remaking or remade Death Wish, you know? Yeah, like, come on. The original Death Wish is so bleak, man. Yeah, like yeah. The, ra- the rapes and all that stuff. Yeah, and like, it's just grim. Yeah, and, and you know the well going back to. Um, it was it was a Road Warrior, or Mad Max. It was uh, Road Warrior, Mad Max. No, it was Road Warrior. Where they just that movie, even though you don't think of that movie as being particularly dark, there's like so yeah. much dark stuff that happens in that film that they yeah. would never like, you know, like, like some you know, women get raped and they, they kill her with a bow and arrow and all this crazy stuff. Like there, people would probably pick at that movie if they tried to make it these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as far as uh, Starkweather goes, um, mm-hmm. you know this new thing just came out on Friday. Do you guys have any shows planned or anything like that? Nah, not well, while Drew last nursed this injury, right. and then uh, well, like I said, once he's up and ready, we'll demo stuff, and then uh, I think any shows we do, it's just going to be you know here and there. You know, if we get asked to do something, if it's like worth our while, we'll go out and do it. Sure. You know, it's just uh, right now, it's like a holding pattern. Right on. It's, it's just how it is. It's, you know, always run into something. Like it was funny because like we did have two songs. Like I said, with uh, the last recordings with Todd, and uh, I'm holding on to the other one because I'm just like going to use that again as like a stopgap. 
I think, you know, if we're not ready in time, if this injury's taken him much longer to heal, it'll be, you know, just another uh, split. And yeah, uh, that song's like totally different than the, the one that just came out. It's like, it's a long song, but it's, it's completely melodic. It's like more, more like a, we were always joking about calling it like the bed boys end meets friggin' uh pink Floyd. Well, it's kind of like that. It's like real drifty pink Floyd, but with, you know, the weird chords that we use. That's awesome. Man. I mean, I'm yeah. looking forward to hearing that stuff, man. Maybe, so maybe, did. uh, maybe a tomb Starkweather split might be in order. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Dude. So, uh, thanks for taking time out of your day. Yeah, man. I appreciate all nah, this. No, nah, I appreciate it. You yeah. had me. Yeah, man. So, uh, and once again, thanks a lot. And, uh, everyone out there that's listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know. All right, Mike. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, man. Take care, brother. You All bet. Right. You too. Take it easy. Bye.